Hey, it's Ian Altman. On this episode, my guest is Manny Medina. He's the CEO and co-founder of Outreach, which is often referred to as the number one sales engagement platform. Now, Manny's got an amazing background. He previously led the Microsoft Windows Phone business development team in Latin America and Canada. He also engineered Amazon's compensation system for Amazon Associates. And academically, Manny only has an MBA from Harvard Business School and an MS in computer science from the University of Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about the biggest challenge when it comes to revenue growth in organizations. We'll discuss why sales playbooks could be good and could be the root of the problem you're actually facing. And then we'll discuss specifically an inspection process so you can uncover the biggest hurdles that are facing your team's growth. You're going to learn a ton from Manny Medina. Manny, welcome to the program. Thank you, Ian. Happy to be here. Can you share with our audience something surprising about you that they may not know? Um, actually, I have a couple of things that I think are a bit surprising about me and that you wouldn't know it from, uh, from talking to me. The first one is that I am, a, I'm a, I'm an early riser. So I get up really early in the morning cause I, I, I feel like I, I conquer my day by, by getting earlier in the morning. But one of the things that I do as my morning routine is that I take a cold plunge in a little fountain that I have in my house outside and I do it throughout the year. Wow. So I I, uh, I finish my my routine and then I go outside and then I I sit in a in a pool of water that is at temperature of the outside that sometimes you know goes down into negative territory here in Seattle and I sit there for you know anywhere between five to ten minutes oh. and allows me to really wake up and at that point I feel like I'm really awake and ready to take on the day. I don't know if wake up is the term I would use, but I would certainly be alert. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And it, it's, it's, I do it for the rush of blood that happens after you come out because your body is trying to get warm really quickly. So your body is, is – every part of your body suddenly awakens and is ready to go. I'm waiting for it to get really cold and you jump into a, uh, a bed of ice. So. Right. That's pretty much, that's pretty much it. It's the same, same effect. And what's the second and, one? And the other one is that I um, – a while ago, I read a book called Moonwalking with Einstein. And it was a bestseller in New York Times, et cetera, a few years ago. And in, in the book talked about the, the memory championship. And it convinced me that your memory is really limitless and that you can, you can memorize almost infinite number of things. So I decided to memorize every employee's name here at Outreach. And we're now you know, close to 300. So whenever somebody joins, I have my assistant make me a little memory card for the person who joined. And I try to memorize it. I, you know, just first name, not yeah. first and last, just first name. So I've been able to – I've been managing to memorize everybody's name, first name. Yeah. Now, um, what people yeah. don't know is that there's 300 people. They're all named Chris. That's, exactly <laughs> that's, right. that's part of your hiring have, criteria. Exactly. Exactly. You only, there's only two names allowed. That's right. If your name is not one of these five people and you want to work here, you better change it to one of those because then I have a that's, chance. That's so, exactly right. so my, my question for you is how many people in the organization – because my my guess is across 300 people, there's there's got to be a handful where you confuse a couple of people and it's like still becomes a challenge even if they've been there for a little while. Yeah, so that's, that, that's a very good question. And the, the answer to it is that you have to be comfortable calling people the wrong name and they, and they fixing you. That actually fixes the memory faster than anything else. It's when you think your name is Justin, but your name is really Sam. 
Yeah. And, and what I do tell everybody when I meet him, because I, I, I get to meet everybody who joins, is to tell them, look, I'm going to try to memorize your name and I may get it wrong. And if I do, please correct me. Yep. And once you give them license to do that, they will correct you in your name and the name will be implanted in your head forever. Exactly. I'm just I'm picturing there's got there's got to be some some great stories about getting it getting it not quite right. I remember there's a country club down in Florida. I visited there a number of years ago and I, I knew the assistant general manager and I was visiting there with two other professional speakers. So the three of us were speaking at an event. I knew the assistant general manager. This place was, you know, at a world class reputation. I said, you know what? Let's just go there. I think we're going to have a great meal, and this will be a really interesting experience. And so we we pull into the to the valet, and the valet opens my door and says, "Oh, Mr. Altman, welcome." And I'm like, "Wow, that's that's pretty impressive." And I'm thinking, "Okay, how many rental cars come in here?" I'm sure he just described me, so. Okay, he knows I'm going to be the one driving. Like I'm figuring out how they must have figured this out. Yeah. And then they opened the door, and the two other gentlemen are both named Steve, and they addressed them. It was Steve Denning, a guy named Steve Dorfman, and they addressed both of them by name. Oh, Mr. Dorfman, Mr. Denning. And every single employee in that club knew our names cold. Like, wow. And we had never been to that property, and every single person knew it. And it was like, wow. That is amazing how they do this. So the funny part was that this guy, Steve Dorfman, does a lot of work on customer experience. So Steve, at the end of the night, he goes up to the um, hostess and he says, you know, I, I speak about customer experience and customer service and it's remarkable how you guys do this. you got to tell me your secret. She goes, I can't tell you our secret. He goes, oh, please, you got to tell me. She goes, okay. She goes, she looks to her left, looks to her right. Looks him straight in the eye and says, we are very good at our jobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it was just – and then in talking to the, the guy who was the assistant general manager, a guy named Chris Hull, who's now the general manager at a club outside of, um, outside of New York called Alpine Country Club in New Jersey, Chris explained that they had commissioned someone to build a game called the Name Game. What they found is that the valets, the servers, everybody – they have all these tablets that they use as part of the general operations, and there's certain periods of downtime. So they created a game for every single member, every single VIP who's coming to visit. They research it, put it up there, and it's like a flashcard game for them. And whoever gets the highest score each week gets prizes and this and that. And so once they knew we were coming, I told them who it was, they just added those pictures and those names into the game. That's awesome. Really amazing. And it's, and it's funny because you would think it doesn't make a big difference, but I've told that story 20 times. And what did they do? They just made sure that they could recognize us. I mean, and they knew our name. So, and candidly, I think that even if they got the names wrong, we would have been impressed. So that's amazing. That's really, that's really incredible. It's, um, it's really, uh, the, the memorizing the game is, is about, there's a first step that I can take towards, um, understanding their job and, and empathizing with what they do. Yeah. And, and that is to me, uh, I, I don't do it just because I think my memory is limitless or because you know, I'm trying to you know, get into the memory um, Olympics. But it's mostly because I, I think that when you, uh, when you mention somebody's name, that means that that person is important to you. So it's very yeah. similar to the reason why the, 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 the country club does it. Yeah, so, it shows um, they care. 
It shows, so it shows that you care. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's great. Though many people may be tuning in because of your expertise and, and, and potential in the memory Olympics. <laughs> I'm sure most people are. I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. The reason why I asked you to be here is to talk about your area of expertise when it comes to the biggest challenges that businesses face when it comes to business growth and something you call revenue efficiency. So first, before we talk about what people should be doing, what are the biggest challenges that organizations face when it comes to business growth? That, that's, a, that's a great question. So the challenges that organizations face when they're trying to deliver growth is that they lack a framework by which the by which they can execute a sales playbook. So let's just concentrate in sales for a minute, uh, given that given that that's that's my expertise. So in, in every every sort of well-oiled machine or every organization that has a sales team of, of of any size, they develop a playbook, and the playbook tells you the different stages of a deal, the people that are is your your ICP, your ideal customer profile. The sort of the, the the different value propositions that you're gonna land on them, and then sort of how to navigate the the discovery call, and then the the demo, and how to navigate the the setting up for the close, and then the post close, and all, all the dependencies that you have to get from making you aware to making you a customer, including the conversation with IT, the conversation with procurement, the conversation with all the stakeholders. And the moment that playbook is done, that playbook is a binder. It's a physical piece of paper. It's a physical binder with pieces of paper in it. And you just follow the binder and then greatness comes on the other end. The problem with that is that as the market conditions changes, your playbook doesn't. And usually the playbook is attached to a leader. And the moment the leader leaves, the new leader comes in and they come in with a different playbook. And you just threw away all the learnings from the previous playbook. And then the new playbook will have you know, the, new, the, new, the new tenants of the new leader. So organizations don't have, especially in that boundary between what the, what the rep does and what the customer perceives, they don't have a system to capture what's working and what's not working. And it's kind, of, it's kind of like a flying a plane without any knobs or without any, any gauges. Yeah. It's that you don't know as to whether giving, giving you a call first was the right first step for me to engage you or you know, having if the pitch is really landing with you or not. Because usually what happens is you deploy the playbook across your sellers and then Outcome comes out at the end, but you don't know what part of the playbook is gumming things up, what part of the playbook is not really well received. Other than just getting straight feedback from your sellers, you have no way to measure and to optimize your sales process. So, Manny, when people are facing that, when an organization is in that problem area, if you will, yeah. what are some of the symptoms that they see? In other words, what are some of the behaviors and some of the symptoms that, candidly, the sales leader may not even know what the problem is, but all of a sudden, they're tr you know, what are the things they're trying that aren't working? What are the frustrations they're exhibiting that are an indicator that they might have this problem? That is a great question, and we see this all the time. So the first symptom of, of, of that you're running into trouble is what, we, is, is what is called your rep participation. So before your revenue starts diving in or before you start missing your number, what will happen is that if you were to measure who contributed to the number, let's say that you have a million dollar goal and you have five reps. And of course, the, the, the ideal scenario is that they each contribute 200,000. But usually what happens is that your top two reps contribute 800,000 and the other three reps contribute the remaining. And then that problem continue continues to get worse over time in which there is a few reps 
assuming you have product market fit and that you're solving a real problem, is that only a few reps will be delivering the great majority of the number and other reps will not deliver the great majority of the number. So if you play that one turn out, meaning now you're required to double your revenue again a year from now, you hire five more reps, so 10 more reps, what will happen will be the same thing is that only a very small percentage of the new reps would actually get fully ramped and deliver the number and produce at the rate that you expect them to produce, the majority of them won't. And then what happens is at that point, your revenue efficiency starts to tank. And then at that point, you start missing your number. And if you let that play out for too long, you're out of a job. Yep. So usually what happens is that at that point, um, VPs of sales start getting worried and they start inspecting and they start sort of throwing out diagnosis. I'm, I'm not doing enough activities or my playbook is wrong, or my enablement is wrong, or my marketing department is not giving me enough leads, or the leads are crap, um, or the market condition has changed and the product is crap. And, and those are all valid reasons. But the problem is that if you don't have your, in your own way a, 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 a predictive and consistent way of making your rep successful, you're gonna miss the boat anyway. And all the other things will not matter. So that's a way that th those are the symptoms in that th th this problem manifests itself. The rock star top performer you're looking for in your sales organization isn't looking for a job right now. In fact, they are totally content crushing it for somebody else. The folks at Peak Sales Recruiting have discovered an approach so that those rock star candidates will quickly discover that they're better off working for you than for somebody else. And if you've ever wondered what are the right questions to ask to know if I'm getting a great candidate or just someone who's going to be okay? Well, they also have a sales interview guide available. You can learn more about Peak Sales Recruiting and get their free sales interview guide by visiting peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian. By the way, it's interesting. In the organizations who I work with closely, I mean, most of the organizations I touch, it's more when I'm you know, keynoting an event for them or doing a an immersion program for them, but in the in the cases where I'm working with this small subset of people on an interactive, ongoing basis, they'll often say, "Well, so I want to grow my sales force." And I said, "Okay, so you're comfortable that the system you have works great, and now you just want to repeat it." And it's always this dead silence, like, "Well, I don't know if I don't know if it's good or not." I'm like, "Okay, so why don't we make sure that you have a process that works?" And that generates great results. And then we can replicate it because then if we know that it works well with one rep and we know that it works too well with two reps, we know it works well with three reps and the fourth and fifth reps, it doesn't work so well, then either they aren't the right people or we're playing telephone and they missed a piece somewhere along the line. But exactly right. at least then we know that we have a system and approach that works as opposed to well, let's see. So right now you don't have a system that works and you're thinking if you replicate it and add to it, that it's going to be better. And it usually doesn't happen. That's exactly right. And, and you know, interesting you said that you, you're absolutely right. So it's either you have the wrong people or you have the wrong process. And inevitably, like almost 99% of the time, the problem is the process. Because if you have, if in a sample size of say 50 or 20 reps, if you have at least 5% who are killing it, you're, the probability that that is pure chance or luck is very low. You see what I mean? Yep. So probabilistically, it's almost impossible that you have the wrong people. Yep. So, Usually you have the wrong process and you can improve it. 
So, many. what are some of the things that organizations could and should be doing to figure out what's going on, to uncover what the underlying issues are so that they can fix this? You mean outside of buying outreach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will take a look at outreach, but what I want to think about is more what's the type of information they should be trying to capture. And my guess is people will probably conclude, man, that's really hard to capture on our own. We're better off with something like outreach, but – you know, what I want them to understand is here's the type of information you should be collecting. Here's the way yes. you should be analyzing this. And, you know, someone might be crazy enough to try and do it all manually. Yep. No, and that's a, that's a great question. So my advice to, to, to sales leaders is that they start the inspection, the inspection process with the people and, that, and, and to not skip that, meaning that get at least regularity in how you – do your inspection so that you can always inspect for the same things and start finding patterns. So we love to do what we call a three, a three by two okay. um, in our inspection process, which is for every rep, we look at the, at, the, at the last three quarters of production, the current quarter commit, and one quarter out forecast or commitment. So, and, and, then, you, and then you play, and as a leader, you need to be involved in, in this kind of conversations, meaning you go to your leader, your RVP or your area manager or your district manager, et cetera, and then you sit down with that person and then you start with the people and you, for each rep, review the three by two, you know, three quarters out, yep. current quarter and, quarter and quarter out. And then once you are comfortable with the sort of um, rate of delivery of the rep, meaning in, 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 if you measure everybody's production, this rep has been in the last three quarters delivering either at average or above average. Not quota, yep. production, meaning you measure all your reps, and according to your new average, this – or the new mean, this rep is right above the mean or at the mean. That's, that's fine. If they have been producing at the average, then they have, they, they have, a, a, they, they have a, a solid rep. Now, that's question number one. Then question number two is, okay, let's inspect, let's inspect the current commit. And then the current commit gets into the pipeline, and you break it down. All the deals are committed, and then you inspect the activity. Do ever, never, never take the word, take their word for it. Do inspection, <laughs> and this is not because you don't trust them. It's because this is the rhythm you're going to get into, yep. and many times it's a learning opportunity. It's a coaching opportunity for you to show the rep, you know, how deals are going to close, and they will, they will thank you, right? Like reps are incredibly uh, monetarily motivated. So let's talk about how do we make you more money. So you inspect their pipeline by going into each of the accounts and then inspecting the activity, meaning who is your who is your champion, who is your coach. Who are the influencers? And do you have abundant, frequent, positive communication with each? That, yeah. is, very, that is very easy to do right away. And you don't need a big system. You can literally just go into the inbox and pull emails and calendars, and you get a good feel for how the, whether the, the commit the rep is committing, meaning the account the rep is committing, would actually close. Yep. Now, there is 50,000 tools that can help you be predictive and blah, 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 blah. But that is a very quick poor man's way of doing a full pipeline review and trying to figure out whether you're going to hit your number or not. What are the hidden pieces in that process? So where when people try and do this manually – what gets missed? So usually what gets missed is that you don't have an economic buyer involved early enough. And you are committing without knowing who the economic buyer is. Or you don't know what the process to close is. And you are a month out from the end of the quarter. You committed this deal, but you don't understand that the paper process will take six weeks. 
So those are usually where everybody gets bit is by saying there's great communication, the account is super engaged, things have been moving forward, it has all the right implications, all the right sort of uh, signals that this is going to close, but you haven't had the conversation, meaning the seller hasn't had the conversation was, how do we get from here to a sign agreement? Yep. You haven't had, if you haven't had that conversation, that is a huge dependency that you're about to walk into, and that could swing either way. And the majority of the surprises are usually negative. The terms that you're using in terms of economic buyer coach, those are terms that Miller Hyman uses in strategic selling. Um, so how adaptable is this approach to other systems that people might be using? That's really interesting because um, we use, for instance, we use a term, we use a, the, uh, the, the, uh, the MetPIC uh, framework for our, for our sellers. And, and, and the terms that I just used with you are, are the same as, as Miller Hyman or Challenger or any of the other um, sort of shops out there. And, and, and it, the process, see, the, the process is, is, is important that exists. But it, I, I you, know, you know, not to be controversial here, but I almost argue that it's almost irrelevant which one you use. The most important thing is that you follow and that you have an inspection process by which to make sure that the process is actually giving you results. I tend to agree with you. It's, it's funny. I remember I had someone who was trying to sell me on one of their assessment tools. Right. And so they said, oh, and we can have you take the assessment tool. And I, I, so I, I took the assessment and it said, well, this is, you know, you're somebody who is uncomfortable talking about price. And the funny part was that throughout their, their assessment, it said, well, at which point do you find out from the client um, do you talk about their budget? And part of what I teach is that budget is very misleading because, you know, it's like if you had a hundred thousand dollar solution and the client said our budget is one twenty, you'd be like, oh great. But if the client said eighty, the rep's knee jerk reaction is, oh, I wonder if I can discount by twenty grand. And it's like, correct. You know, it's it's a terrible piece of information to get. So I actually teach that. Look, it doesn't matter what their budget is. If you can show us enough value, they'll find the money. And it was interesting because the assessment tool said, oh, he's not comfortable talking about money. And it was like, no, no, I just don't think the budget is a good indicator. Now, not only that, but I, I read somewhere, um, and I think it was well, Conversations that win the, uh, the, the large deal or, or something to that effect, that 90 or 80% of the sales are not against a budgeted item. Yeah, meaning you're you're not selling into an RFP, you're not selling into into a into into a budget item. You're selling into something that was not in budget, and you need to go and create budget. And 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 at that point, then then you're you're on your own. That's why the notion of, for example, people will say, "Well, who's who's the economic buyer?" And candidly, in today's world, so often you can be talking to the CEO, but they're still going to make a decision by committee because they want everyone else to be bought in. That is and, exactly right. It's a huge risk, actually. Yeah. The, I would argue, I would argue the, 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 the extreme point of that is that no, no signer, there don't, will never, you will never find a signatory that overrules their team. Like th those days are over. There's no such thing as you're taking somebody out and that person signs everything. No, that person will steer you through a process, but you need to convince a large amount of individuals. And, and some of them are supporters, some of them are detractors, some of them are hidden supporters and hidden detractors. Some of them are coaches and some of them are just right up against you. Um, you need to get all those on board before yep. anybody signs anything. Otherwise, you create risk for the signer. Exactly. And, and, and they will and – and, you know, it's been 20 years of shelfware. And, and it doesn't matter what's on the cloud or on the, an actual shelf. Um, 
nobody wants to be exposed to that. Nobody wants to sign a name to something that is going to sit on the shelf. Yep, exactly. So, Manny, where should people start? If someone says, okay, I'm bought into this, and I agree that you know we need to make sure that we inspect our process – that we um, that we start we, we do that three by two. Where should people start? I mean, I realize there's going to be multiple steps. What's the first step they should take towards getting a better handle on this? So, the, 90% of the shops that we talk to usually have um, insufficiency or, or or they need more growth around meeting generation. So, some people will have problems with the visibility in the closing. Some people will have problems in the in the um, in some other parts of the funnel, either early or late. But I, I, they, I, one very common theme that I see a lot is that the 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 the, the lack of production starts with the with the inability to generate meetings, and 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 that could be it could be for a number of reasons. But I would start with that. Meaning, if your SDR, sorry, if your if your account executive is is self prospecting, meaning you don't have uh, an inbound shop or you don't have an SDR team that is generating meetings for them. Then, then you will start there. Like, how, like, what is your meeting generating activities that you're taking? And are you taking enough of them? Do you have a, a well defined territory or set of accounts that are, that are good for you? And then, and then, and then are, you, are you doing all the activity preceding the meeting that is generating meetings? Once you generate meetings, usually a good salesperson can take it from there. But it's usually that meeting generation step, the cracking the door open and then getting to the right person is usually the holdup. And 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 the solution for it is both activities, meaning are you are you are you are you calling into the account, are you emailing into the account, are you doing are you visiting the account, are you doing all the things that actually allow you to generate the meetings, and then the quality of those activities. I mean, the moment you get somebody on the phone, are you able to talk shop? Are you able to have a decent conversation? Yep. That's usually where where I, I look first, because if that's broken, everything else will be broken. Yep. Um, and that usually separates, in my mind, the, the performers from the non-performers. It's those who have a very well-oiled meeting generation machine. They're able to generate pipe, which then keeps them fed for the current quarter and for the next quarter. Makes perfect sense. So, Manny, what's the, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and to connect with you guys at Outreach? Go to outreach.io. Uh, there is a lot of information there. You can request a demo, or you can LinkedIn or email me directly at Manny, M-A-N-N-Y, at outreach.io. Or look me up on LinkedIn, Manny Medina. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm the CEO of Outreach. It's hard to miss me. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm always happy to connect. I, I, I enjoy talking about this. This is, the, this is what I do every day when yeah. I wake up. From the moment I wake up after my cold plunge all the way until I go to, go to bed. So you have the cold plunge. People are going to reach out to you, and then they're all going to expect you to remember their name. <laughs> you, you better believe it. All right, perfect. Well, Manny, thanks so much for sharing your insights, and uh, I'm sure people will be reaching out with more questions. Thank you, Ian. It was great talking. There's some great stuff that Manny shared. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, we want to make sure that we understand that our playbook might be linked to a leader, might be linked to a point in time, but if we're not revisiting those playbooks, they might be outdated. Also recognize that though we often will point to individuals as being the problem, usually it's more likely that our process is flawed, and if we don't know where that is, it can become a major problem. 
And then, of course, make sure that we focus on that revenue efficiency so that we appreciate that we can't be in an environment where 80% of our revenue is coming from 20% of the performers. Instead, we got to figure out how to raise the bar for everybody. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you want me to cover or a guest I should have on the program, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.